Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. This week, filmmaker Manu Lukšk introduces her sci-fi fairy tale film, Faceless, discussing surveillance in society and what the future might hold for us. So the introduction and uh, thank you for having me here. I've been uh, following the the website of the ODI closely and I'm very pleased that um, I have the chance to be here today. So I'm an uh, artist and filmmaker and before you start wondering too much where my accent is from, I better tell you I grew up in Vienna um, and uh, moved here about 15 years ago. So my core interest and um, the focus of my work is um, is the shared domain, the commons, infrastructures, networks, um, and also the question how we came to a notion of progress, which is so uh, techno-centered, to the, um, to the degree that sometimes I would say we blindly believe in technology providing us with ready-made solutions. So when I moved to London about 15 years ago, I was quite puzzled by the omnipresence of CCTV, so this concept of security, like a highly top-down or, or pyramidical concept where someone might be watching you or might not, or uh, of course in the name of uh, your improved, increased uh, security. Um, the, um, the historical justification of CCTV to deter terrorism, we, that's, um, yeah, that's really history. So CCTV, um, as you surely all know, is being used to implement all sorts of regulation, congestion charge, traffic, um, smokers ban, yeah. Um, so every, every house is uh, surveying its environment and um, every, every home is being surveyed and, and even our children are being brought back onto track. <laughs> uh, so, we, so we hope by the use of CCTV. So really not in my wildest imagination, I would have thought that this um, um, this notion of when people speak of the UK as a surveillance society or surveillance culture, that this manifests itself in sculptures like this one here. I don't know if you can see it well, it's <laughs> um, Bethnal Green near playground. And so you see playing children um, and a CCTV pole. And I think you have to be very used. Um, to CCTV in order to also get used to such bizarre aesthetics. So as a, at least to say as a, as a filmmaker, if not as an, as an activist, um, um, I felt that um, my, my approach until that point of how to document life in a city um, is, has become obsolete by the fact that uh, the, the streets are being recorded 24 hours, seven days um, a week. There's a certain, I would say, like um, it's, a, it's a kind of paradigm shift of what, um, what um, real-time documentation of urban life means. So <coughs> in order to launch an investigation into, into this kind of uh, footage or real-time documentation, I formulated the manifesto for CCTV filmmakers. Uh, some of you have received the Xerox copy of this manifesto. I think more copies are being made. Um, I was uh, trying to, 
to share a humorous approach. Um, I, I fly posted uh, the manifestos on, on the streets in London to invite everyone uh, to question the balance between the rights uh, CCTV operators are, are claiming and um, the rights you have as a, as a data subject, if you like. Um, so, so what's the balance between the the rights uh, they are enjoying, those who collect data on us, and what are their responsibilities or duties. Mm. And so the manifesto goes so far to say that in this, um, in this kind of scenario, we don't need to bring our own film equipment, and actually it's even um, forbidding it. Like it, the rule number one is you're not allowed to bring your own equipment. And of course, that's a measurement to raise the awareness of the omnipresent um, uh, CCTV. So this was in the year 2000 um, that um, started to develop this um, CCTV filmmaking concept. And um, the first step is, of course, then to look for a location, a location where you can, um, uh, which you can use as a setting. Uh, so I researched uh, the location of cameras. And I will show you a little, a short video, as in what uh, public bodies think about this kind of um, uh, research into location data. I'm an artist. Right, and how does an artist come with CCTV? Because I, because I work with um, moving image and film. So the British police was actually quite charming to ask a 40 plus year old woman for the university ID. <laughs> but um, yeah, it didn't really help the fact that they didn't even know the name of the, of the law initially. I played naive, of course. And well, anyway, so um, there are now independent maps out there um, where you can um, get filmed by CCTV. But how, how do you access um, how do you get hold of the footage? Hmm? So it's a closed uh, circuit television system. It's closed. Um, yeah, how, how can we get um, hold of the recordings? And for a moment, I was considering to take on a job at the CCTV um, center. But uh, then luckily, in 2001, um, the European directive uh, to data Protection for data protection was integrated in the <laughs> British legislation. 
So the um, Data Protection Act um, became active um, about 10 years ago and it um, basically said that you as a, as a data subject, uh, you have the right to access personal data if it's being held systematically, so to say in a database. And um, I mean, this uh, regulation was uh, uh, thought up because uh, it's important to know which kind of medical or financial uh, data is circulating around. Um, uh, and um, maybe people base in uh, a decision that affects your life on this information and you don't know that they are holding this information uh, and so on. But also uh, the surveillance video is um, qualifying under, under this uh, directive because it's being time-coded, it's time-stamped, hence uh, systematically stored. So um, the kind of request uh, that you then send off to a CCTV operator um, has to uh, include an image of yourself, paradoxically, if that's the moment when you are giving away your identity. Um, and um, sometimes uh, you also need to send um, um, a certified document to prove that um, you are the data subject and you say where and when you believe that you have been captured. So you allow for 40 days and according to the DBA, latest then, um, you receive images um, in uh, your mail and um, um, yeah, but they looked like this, so people have lost their faces, what happened? Mm. So I did receive images here, that's the Ministry of Skills and Education, um, at where a second before I'm entering the foyer uh, and the poor receptionist has lost his face. So it's a, a second piece of legislation, the right to privacy, which is part of the Human Rights Act, um, which uh, says that third parties have a right for their privacy to be protected, so which is commonly being handled by blacking out their faces, which of course throws up a whole series of other questions as, you know, like in which, to which degree would your figure give away your identity and so on. Um, yeah, so I um, became really interested in these legal properties of the image and wanted the, uh, those, those qualities, you know, rather than um, the color or the aspect ratio or the um, um, other, other technical specifications, I wanted the legal qualities also to write the script. Um, so I continued to, to file um, requests um, and I continued to receive footage, but actually, mm, actually it was all a bit more um, uh, how should I say, uh, uh, difficult than, than, um, than uh, in theory. Um, and I would say at the end I had a ratio, a success ratio of about 8%. Um, 8% um, of my requests um, resulted in me receiving the images. So, so yeah, what, what happened? Um, the excuse or the reason or response number one was a technical, um, a technical error. So here for example, this is a public leisure center um, telling me that um, upon receipt of your letter I have been sourcing a company who would edit the tapes to preserve the privacy of other individuals who had not consented to disclosure. Having found a company to do this, I asked 
the site to forward the tapes to me and was informed by so-and-so, the technician, uh, that they had discovered that all tapes on site are blank. He advised me there was a technical fault with the CCTV machine and that when the engineer was called, he confirmed that the machine had not been working since its installation. So um, these kind of mini-narratives in the letter, they, they stand for really a, like a, a larger amount of, um, um, of similar responses. So this one here represents um, technology not working and they haven't even been aware. Um, here, uh, Transport for London tells me about human error and error in handling my requests. So as I had advised you in my previous letter, a request was made to remove the tape and for it not to be destroyed. Unhappily, this request was not carried out and the tape was wiped in according with the standard tape retention policy, um, which says that after 28 days, uh, the tapes need to be wiped unless a request um, comes in. Please accept my apologies for this and assurance that steps have been taken to ensure a similar mistake does not happen again. Mm. So then um, um, eventually, a few years later, I was still filing requests <laughs> trying to, to create my, my science fiction film for these means. Um, um, my, um, my research was then stifled by a change in the legislation and, um, and the definition of personal data was defined more precisely. So what does it mean, personal data? It needs to contain biographical um, information. And um, so if I display my, um, you know, my health or financial situation or my sexual orientation or, or religious beliefs, then um, yeah, then I would qu qualify. And interestingly, uh, if you look at the code of um, good practice, which is being handed out to the CCTV operators, there it was translated into technical specifications. So the wording changed completely. And it says, if you're the focus of a recording, like if the camera zooms onto you, or if it pans, if it follows you, if you're not just a member of a, of a crowd, but if you're so to say technically the center of attention, then you qualify. So it became harder and harder to actually receive any images under this kind of new definition. And, and then lastly, maybe the most uh, bizarre occurrence, um, in one case, the bank sent me the material in form of printout. So every single still had been uh, printed out on a, on a piece of paper. And in order to, um, uh, to also um, provide the privacy for the third party members, somebody had cut out all the heads with a pair of nail scissors. So, so I have reanimated the sequence here. Another pathway opens up before her. A 
a perilous shortcut through real time, which you must race along to avoid capture. Okay, so that's how it was used in the film. So in between those printouts, those color printouts, there was a letter um, forgotten, like it came in the mail as well, and it said uh, to so-and-so, this is my two weeks notice to terminate my position of employment with, it was Barclays. <laughs> <laughs> it is unfortunate. Pardon? It's fine. <laughs> I'll give them my email then. Um, it is unfortunate that I'm leaving so shortly after my return um, to work, but I feel it is my best option as circumstances have swayed my decision to do so. And I couldn't help myself uh, thinking that this poor lady must have been asked to cut out these hundreds of faces <laughs> and got so frustrated that she decided to leave the company. Mm. So eventually um, I um, was uh, putting together the, the film entirely on the basis of material which I had um, reclaimed through the Data Protection Act. Um, probably not much to his surprise, the film was called Faceless. So um, it plays in a, in a world where everyone has lost uh, their faces and uh, one day a woman awakes just to find herself with a face and she's horrified because she looks different from all the others and um, so she starts a journey trying to find out about um, yeah, what happened and also about the power of, of faces. Um, okay, so that's just like a flyer. Um, but at the same time, the um, all the documents that um, I accumulated during my written dialogues with all the operators and, and during this research, they became an important um, yeah, body of, of uh, first-hand evidence, if you like, and so uh, some of them also made it into, into works and installations. So before I show you the trailer of the film, um, I would like to yeah, just share my one of my main questions with you, um, which is um, so all this um, uh, re recording practice um, is being uh, done in the in the name of security of our increased security. But can we really trust um, those who collect our data with um, our security if if um, we have to question if our data shadow is even you know is it in safe hands there? Um, like my experience um, showed that um, quite often I encountered um, ignorance, like people didn't even know that there is a data protection act or they didn't know how to handle, how to handle it and generally you know I have a whole um, filing cabinet full of, of, of articles about you know lost, <laughs> um, lost data or abuse of, of systems. So yeah, so is, uh, is our data alter ego safe there and, and um, to which degree does, um, does an access system but also a protection system like the Data Protection Act um, address these kind of questions. Um, I will show you now an, a trailer or an excerpt of the film.
This is the story of a woman haunted by an echo of a memory, a dislocated dream in which the past telescopes into the future. She has no understanding of these images that revisit her, that take her out of real time, out of her role in the new machine. Only later will she recognize them as nostalgia and resentment. Thank you. Um, so the film um, has been launched, uh, premiered five years ago, but um, yeah, I'm happy to see it continues to tour and to be shown and next on Tuesday at the Barbican. If you'd like to come and see it, and I believe it will be shown at the ODI Summit. <laughs> um, and um, it's also available on DVD. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I'm proud that I kept to the 21 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and look forward to a conversation. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.